Wasn't that a beautiful one? Beautiful song. All right. Good morning. It's good to see each and everyone here this morning. We praise God. When Bill gets better, he'll be able to speak. So I'm substituting for him today. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for these beautiful hymns that were written so many years ago. And they have beautiful words. And they touch our hearts. And we speak of Christ and His love. Father, we just pray that You will open our hearts and our minds to Your Word today by the Holy Spirit and that You will have a special message for each one of us, what we need to hear today. If we're here this morning and not saved, we pray that we will hear the message of salvation and believe in Jesus and accept Him as Lord and Savior. If we're here today as we are saved, may the Word of God challenge us and encourage us and draw us closer to Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and help me to be a blessing. And I pray that you will speak through your word and just use everything today to touch our lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, during the 1800s, England was a pretty wicked place. There were a lot of things going on. And we can look at our society today and we can say it's a pretty wicked time we're living in as well. But the followers of John Wesley, they used to call them holy people. They called them holy people and they also gave them the name Methodists. And the reason they gave them the term Methodist is because their methods were different than the world's. And that's the way it should be for us as believers. Our lives should be different. Our speech should be different. Our conduct should be different. Our way should be different. Our attitude should be different. We should be different. We shouldn't just blend in with the world because if we do, we won't have any power for Christ and the gospel whatsoever. In order to have a platform, in order to be able to share with others what Christ has done for us, we have to live holy lives. We have to back it up. We have to practice what we preach. And so... Down through the centuries, God's people have always been that way. They've lived lives that are different. In the old King James Version, they're called peculiar people. What it really means is special people. Set apart for God, that's what we are. Not because of any intrinsic goodness in ourselves, but because He saved us by His mercy and grace. And He has filled us with the Spirit of God and He's given us an opportunity to share what He has done for us in our lives. The subject of our message this morning is titled, God's Standards for Living. God's Standards for Living. You know, there's a couple of different standards in the world today. First of all, there's the world's standards. Secondly, there's our standards for ourselves. And third, there's God's standards. And we all know that God's standards are far superior to any of our standards or any standards in this world. And so the kind of standard we want to follow is God's standard. You know, the anarchist says there is no standard. I'm not going to follow anything. I'm not going to follow any laws. That's what the anarchist said. The carnal man said, I'm going to follow my own standards, my own way of thinking, my own thoughts and patterns of living. But the godly Christian says, I'm going to follow God's standards. I'm going to live and abide by what He wants me to do. I'm going to put it all on Him because God says if we obey Him and we live for Him and we live holy and godly lives, He'll take care of all the rest. He really will. That's why I like what Charles Stanley always says at the end of his message. He says, obey God and leave all the consequences to Him. 
Because when we do that and we take a stand for the Lord and obey Him, He will take care of everything in our lives. We won't have to worry about these things. And we'll be able to be a blessing for the Lord wherever we go. If you'll turn in your Bibles today to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. We're going to read the first five verses together in Leviticus chapter 18. This book of Leviticus is about the priesthood. It's about the Levites. It's about those who worship God. And it's also about God's people being holy people. And that's what God wants us to do. So, these people had just come out of Egypt, the Israelites. And now God is teaching them how to be holy people. And He's giving requirements. He's giving commandments. He's giving truth about how they should live. We're only going to look at the first five verses of this chapter, but if you go home and read it, it tells about how a how a godly person should respond. And it's talking about sexual relationships there. It's very practical, and it's talking in the next chapters after that how they should treat each other and their neighbors and all of that. And it's very specific. God gives very specific commands on how we should live our lives. He gives the standard. He gives the perfect standard for us to follow. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my statutes, excuse me, you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. I love how this passage, these five verses kind of fit together in two points. We don't have three today. We don't have them all starting with the same letter either. We don't have the alliteration. And we don't have we don't have four points either. It's two, just two things he tells them. Two things. Number one, what not to do. That's the negative. What not to do. And then he tells them what to do. What to do. And it, it's in verses one to three, he tells them what not to do, what not to follow, what standards not to go by. And then he tells them in verses four and five what the standards are, how they should live their lives as godly people in an ungodly society that they were going to be living in. Well, first of all, what not to do. It's really amazing that the Lord starts it off right here and He says, speak, in verse 2 He says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. When you think about standards and when you think about following what God wants you to do, He puts it right out there. He says, I am the Lord your God. You are My people. I want you to live in a way that's going to reflect my glory and my love to the nations around you. And in order to do that, you can't be like those nations. You can't partake of their sins. You can't follow in their religious ways and all their evil. You have to be different. Now, they were different physically because they were circumcised but they were most of all separated from this world because they were spiritually circumcised. They were God's people. They were redeemed by His mighty hand, brought out of Egypt. They had spent 400 years in Egypt and learning the ways of Egypt. And now God says, I want you to learn my ways. 
my ways. They're different. They're better. They're good for you. They're going to help you through your experiences in the land of Canaan. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2, the Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I never get, cease to get amazed by the Israelites because remember, the Lord redeemed them from Egypt. Pharaoh came out to kill them and all his army and the Lord slew them. They all perished in the Red Sea. The Israelites were saved. They went through on dry ground. They were saved. The first thing they do when they get out of all that, after praising the Lord, they're happy. And then all of a sudden they start complaining and murmuring, we don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. God brought us out here into this wilderness so that we're going to all die and all our little ones. And they complain and complain and complain. How sad. How sad. Do you know the Lord is sad when we complain? He's sad. I believe he's very sad because he's saying, look how much I've given Dean. Look how I've blessed him. Look how I've given him health and strength and job and car and home and and all these things I've given him and I've saved him from his sins and I've done all these miracles in his life and he's complaining about that little thing that's going on. So many times we forget the many things God has done for us and we start focusing on these little things that are more nuisances than anything else. They asked Steve uh, Holcomb this week, he's a, a bobsled uh, driver in the Olympics. He, he, he got two bronze medals, both in the two-man and in the four-man competition. Well, he's got a sore calf. And I can really feel with him because I've had that happen to me and it's very, very painful. You get a strained calf and that pain is in there for a long time. Well, he was working on it and everything. And he's, the, the person that asked him the question, he says, is this a really a major thing or is this kind of a nuisance? Well, he says, it's kind of a nuisance and we've been trying to work on it with the trainers and everything. It's not a nuisance. It's pain he went through. And you, if you saw those bobsledders, they have to push that sled really fast and they have to get all that going in the right direction. If your calf is bothering you, that's painful. He put the pain aside to do it for his country, to do it for his teammates. Can't we push aside that little pain we're going through, that little trial we're going through to trust Christ to allow him to use it for his glory? He stood on the podium twice. They won two, two bronze medals because he was able to do that. The Lord is so good and he wants us to realize he's our master. He's our king and he wants us to live for him. He wants us to be holy people. And holiness is really to be separated from the world and to be set apart for the Lord. That's what real holiness is all about. The same Greek word hagios throughout the New Testament is, can be translated either holy or separated or set apart. It can be translated that way. And like I said, these Israelites lived 400 years in Egypt. They had learned everything about the Egyptian culture, their religion, their ways of doing things, their education. And now God is going to give them a spiritual education. He's going to teach them. And I love what he has to say in verse 3. And God is very personal here. If you read this portion, you see the word you is used seven times. Seven times in these five brief verses, God uses the word you. He's speaking to them as their personal God, their personal Savior. He is speaking to them and giving them these words. And he says here in verse 3, According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. Don't do like the Egyptians do. You know, they have that expression, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. 
But you can't turn that into, into your Christian life and say, well, in the world, do as the world does. No, it doesn't work that way. The actual way we should think about it is when we're in Christ, we should live as he would live and do as Christ would do. And that's what it's all about. He says, I'm, you just left Egypt and it's really amazing. They wanted to go back to Egypt. He said, we, get, we had onions and melons and leeks and garlic and we had all these fish and all this stuff, plenty to eat. They forgot about their bondage. They forgot about all the bad times they had in Egypt and they wanted to go back. He says, no, there's nothing back there for you. When you get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you don't want to turn back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. I haven't met one single Christian who's been saved and has been walking with Christ that wants to go back to the old life. No, once you taste Christ, once you have Him as your Savior, once you're walking with Him, once you have His Word and His fellowship with His people, you don't want to go back to Egypt. You don't want to go back to this world. You don't want to behave like the world. In fact, we're embarrassed by what we used to do. We feel bad about our sins, what we used to do. We don't want to go back to it. And Egypt is a type of this world. And that's why in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17, to 17, we read these words. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lust. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's a wonderful thing to realize that this world offers us nothing. I mean, who wants the world when we have Christ? You know, it's interesting that the NLT, the New Living Translation, I really like it. I was telling Lillian this morning, she was quoting from it in the memory class. The NLT puts it this way, and I think it's really good. It says, so do not act like the people of Egypt, where you used to live, or live like the people of Canaan, where I'm taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must not imitate their way of life. We want to imitate the life of Christ. We want to imitate... Take godly people. We don't want to imitate this world. We want to follow God's standards. You know, when we're saved, He saves us from a lot of baggage. He saves us from a lot of things we used to do. And we don't want to go back to that life. In Ephesians 2, 2 and 3, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that is now the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. It's amazing. It's amazing. This world is evil. It's evil. And every day we hear about it on the radio, we hear, see it on TV, we see the evil that's going on in the world, and yet some people don't, they won't even say that the world's getting worse. They say, oh, things are getting better. No, they're not getting better. They're getting worse because people are getting further away from God, further away from church, further away from the standards of the Word of God. They really are. There was a TV miniseries called Lonesome Dove. Maybe many of you had seen, seen it on TV, Lonesome Dove. Well, there was a Texas ranger and his name was Jake Spoon. And he was on a cattle drive to Montana. And on the way, he was tempted to become a horse thief, to steal, to steal a horse or more than one along the way. 
And the temptation was too great. Well, there was another officer there by the name of Gus McRae, and he was assigned to the punishment of this case, the pursuit of the criminal and coming back. So he, he found Jake and quickly arranged for his hanging. And, Gus, and he asked him, he says, or he said to him, I'm so sorry, Jake, but you crossed the line. Jake looked up innocently and said, I never seen no line. I never seen no line, Gus. But that's the problem with our society. God has the line right there. It's clear for us. We can see that there's a line. The world does not care about God's line. They just step over it every single day, not even thinking about it and what they say, what they do, and how they live their life. God has put a line. He's given the standard. They don't care about. And they don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't, they can't do it. But thanks be to God that we know the line. But sometimes we as Christians can see the line, know the line, and still step over the line. That's the sad part. And that's when we have to confess our sin and say, Lord, I blew it. I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew I shouldn't have said it. I did it, Lord. Forgive me. And we can have a powerful impact if we're willing to do that and willing to trust the Lord because He is so faithful and He will turn it around for the good. But our society is like that. Our society is like that. We see that the fact that God gives the, the teaching here. He says, don't do like you did. Don't live like you did in Egypt and don't live like you're going to live among the people of Canaan either. You know, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it, if God would have put them in a country where everybody was nice, everybody was friendly, everybody was hospitable, and they came to the neighborhood. You know, Greg and Kim moved to Susanville, right? And we had lunch with them last week after church. And they said they met some people up there. And there was a lady who was a Christian, and she took some cookies, and she baked them, and she went to them, to Greg and Kim, and, and, and offered them cookies and showed love to them. And it was really a, a wonderful thing. And I was thinking about it, even if, if God had sent them to a place like that, what would they have done? But God knows that people aren't like that in the world. You're not going to find perfect people in this world. It's a broken world. It's an imperfect world. We're all sinners. And so he sent them to Canaan. It's an evil place. It's a wicked place. But he says, I have confidence that you will live for me there. Now, sadly... The Israelites adopted many of the practices of the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were wicked. In fact, God was telling them that the Canaanites are so wicked that I'm going to give you their land. But when they went in to conquer it, they didn't conquer all the Canaanites. The Canaanites were still some of them left. And instead of being a testimony to them for the Lord, they started adopting their standards intermarrying with them later on, becoming like them, letting the world rub off on them. You know, the, the Scripture says, don't let the world conform you. Don't let it bring you into its mold. We have to be careful. We have to be separated from the world. We have to on a daily basis. It's a warning to us, a real warning to us. If you look at the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-7, we see what the Apostle Paul told the the Thessalonians on how they should carry on themselves also as God's holy people. Philippians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality and that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 
and that you should take advantage you should not take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of such. And as we also forewarned you and testified for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. And he wants us to be his holy people set apart for him. You know, if we don't, we're going to send mixed signals. And that's the saddest thing. If you work with somebody that says they're a Christian and you hear bad language coming out of their mouth, you hear bad jokes coming out of their mouth. You see them going to, to worldly parties and all this stuff. What kind of a message does that send? It sends a mixed message. This person says they're a Christian, but they're, they're living the way we are. And yet, if we say we're Christians, we have to live, live for Christ. We really do. And we have to keep God's standards in our lives. And then in verses 4 and 5, we see what he tells us to do. He says, don't do like the Egyptians and don't do like the Canaanites. Don't live like them. Live the life that I have for you. And God didn't leave it up to their imagination. He gave them very specific guidelines on how they should live. And in the New Testament, we have the rest. So we have from Genesis all the way to Revelation, all the revealed truth of God on how we should live our lives. And he wants us to do it. The problem is, is not a lack of knowledge. Our problem is not a lack of knowledge. We know what to do, but we don't do it. It's a stubborn will of man and he wants us to do it. You know, God didn't give the ten suggestions, did he? He didn't give ten suggestions. No, not ten suggestions. Ten commandments. Ten commandments. And he gave a lot of other commandments. And he wants us to be obedient to him. And God gave them these commandments to test them, to see if they would be obedient, to see if they would be faithful in all that they are asked to do. And he tests us too. He wants to see how obedient we are. Not just obedient when we're at church. Not just obedient when we're around our family and friends. But how about when we're in front of total strangers, nobody knows us. Do we still live a holy life? Do we still live a godly life when we're there in the presence of people that don't know us? That's what he wants us to do. But there are consequences for disobedience and there are consequences for obedience too. Bad consequences if we disobey, good consequences if we obey God's word. And he wants us to do it. He wants us to keep his standards. And you know, if you teach your kids the word of God, the most important thing you can remember is you've got to do it yourself. I mean, what is the child going to think if you tell them, don't lie, and they hear you lie? Don't go out and go to parties and go drinking and taking drugs and things, but they say you doing things bad too. Or here's a good one. You tell them not to text, right? Don't text and drive. Or don't talk on your cell phone and drive. That's the big thing right now. They have a commercial on the radio TV. And it's by the highway patrol and the, and the guy is telling his daughter what not to do. And then it shows his actions, what he's doing, which is the opposite of what he's telling. There's that old expression, don't do as I, as I do, do as I say. But that's not the way it should be. If we say it, we should do it. We should practice it. We should be examples. If we don't, then we can't expect God to bless our lives. So he wants us to be his holy people. He wants us to live the kind of life that is a blessing to him. And he says here in verses 4 and 5, you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. I think it's interesting in these five verses, not only do we have the word you 
used seven times, but we have the Lord saying three times, I am the Lord. Reminder, I am the Lord. Reminder, I am the Lord. Reminder, it's my standards. It's my word you have to follow. It's my commandment. I think so many times, if we've been saved for a while, we can get really lax. We can get really lax. And we can start letting little attitudes creep in, little ways of doing things that rub off from the world. We don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. That's why when we come to the Scriptures and we read something in the Word, it should convict us. Conviction is good, like our brother Adel was saying, because it teaches us. And if we've done something wrong that we need to confess it, we need to confess it. We need to repent of it. We need to be right with the Lord. So let's remember today that God is the one that sets the standards. It's standards, God's standards for living. I don't want my standards. They don't work. It's not going to measure up. And I don't want the standards of the world because it's going to be way off. But I want God's standards. And so we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. You know, they have that commercial, sometimes you see it, for uh, the hot dogs that they have, the Hebrew National Hot Dogs. They used to have those at Costco. Now they have their own, but they're, they're good too. And they're talking about how pure they are, <laughs> how pure these hot dogs are. They say, Hebrew National, we answer to a higher authority. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I thought what was really funny is I drink this bottled water from uh, Trader Joe's, right? Well, one day I was looking at the label and it said on there, kosher. I said, wow, my water is kosher. This is pretty good. I don't know how water can be kosher, right? But apparently it met the standards of the rabbis. And so they said it, it met the standards. So it met the standards. But we want to meet God's standards because his standards are the best. And he gives us these standards. And he says, I'm not going to try to make it hard on you. I don't want to make it rough on you. I want to give you the way to live in this world that is going to make you successful and prosperous and blessed. And that people are going to look at your life and they're going to say, there's something different about Shauna. There's something different about Alex. There's something different about Brad. And then they ask you, why are you so happy? Why, why, why do you not get upset when the customer yells at you and screams at you? Or when your co-workers uh, do this, these things to you and, and things like, uh, why don't you get mad? Do you ever get angry? And then you can tell them, yes, I do, but... Christ saved me. He, he came into my life. He's the one that changed my life. It's not because of me. And we have an opportunity to share the gospel that it was God who loved me so much and loved you so much to send Jesus to die for our sins, to, to pay that penalty so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. If you're not saved here today, there's no way you can keep God's standards. Zero way. Zero. You might meet the standard in certain things, but you'll not be able to keep God's standards and you won't be able to keep it all the way perfectly. We can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So may the Lord help us to remember that God is a holy God. His standards are holiness. He wants us to live different lives in this world. He wants us to be godly examples. He wants us to teach others, our kids and others, and to be examples ourselves. He wants us to live above our circumstances, not below them, not under them. He wants us to be honest and sincere. He wants us to show forth the life of Christ to others. And when we do that, we will be blessed. So may the Lord encourage us today. God's standards, God's standards for holiness. 
Let's bow our heads and let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You've given us Your instruction manual. You've told us the way. You've given us the blueprint. All we have to do is obey, Lord. Forgive us when we disobey, when we want our own way. We want it so bad that we, that we turn to it, Lord. Help us not to do that. Help us not to go by our own standards, Lord. We may think we're fine, but when we really look at it in the Word of God, which is like a mirror, we, don't, we see that we're not fine and we need to be right with You and we need to be separated from this world. And so many Christians don't want to talk about separation. They don't want to even mention it. But we pray that we will be separated, Lord, that we will be set apart for You, that we will be Your holy people, and that You will help us, Lord, because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. And so we just pray You'll dismiss us with Your blessing. We pray for those who are here today that may not know You as Lord and Savior, that they will come to Christ and believe in You today. And so we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.